Listener beware. No Time to Game is a podcast chock full with spoilers. If your intent is to play this game and you don't wish the ending to be spoiled, turn back now. And then come back when you're done and let's talk about it. Welcome to No Time to Game, a quest for game life balance where we play and talk about short games, indie games, and anything else that doesn't demand you sacrifice your relationships or stay up until 3am to finish that raid. I'm Devin and I just don't have the hundreds of hours anymore to play MMOs, open world games, and loot grinds. And I'm Josh and I made Devin play a spooky game this week. Yeah, this week I played the Dark Pictures anthology Man of Medan on Xbox One, developed by Supermassive Games and published by Bandai Namco. Bandai Namco, an interactive story game full of dark, spooky hallways and lots and lots and lots of jump scares. But before we get too much into that, Josh, what have you been playing? Um, I've been playing a few games uh, over the last couple weeks, but the one I've been playing the most recently is called uh, Super Hot Mind Control Delete, which is a sequel to... Quite a name. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, a sequel to Super Hot, which came out a few years ago. Um, have you heard of this? I've heard of Super Hot, but I don't know anything about it. Okay, yeah, it, it was pretty popular, I think, when it came out because it was really unique. the The idea is it, it's basically a first person shooter where um, time only moves when you move and at the speed that you move. So you can kind of slow down time by walking slowly or freeze time by just not moving, which kind of gives you time to look around and sort of decide where you're going to go and what you're going to do. And it's kind of um, matrixy in that way where you can sort of dodge bullets and deflect bullets back at people and it's it's all these little short levels of you trying to take out these enemies i guess and and you can knock weapons out of their hands and use them against them and so you sort of are grabbing their guns and swords and stuff and doing everything usually in quite slow motion but uh then at the end, it does sort of that same thing Katana Zero did where it shows you sort of the, the full speed what you just did. And at the end of each level, you can watch it in regular speed and it looks really cool, makes you look like a real ninja. That does sound cool. And and what kind of uh, kind of graphics does this have? Like, what are we what are we looking at? Here? It's weird. It's like it's like 3D graphics, but the worlds are all kind of just white um, almost a little bit like human fall flat a little bit in in that way that it's just sure. shapes and stuff. Um, and then everything you can pick up is sort of black and it's all really sort of, I don't know what you'd call it. Like it, it looks like a, a, you know, a modern game, but everything sort of polygons and stuff, almost like a Nintendo 64 game or something in, in a weird way. Um, oh, okay. But all the enemies, like, there's just no features on anything. Like, all the enemies are red, and they kind of look like mannequins. Like, mannequins from an N64 game. Um, yep. So, it's it's unique in that sense, too. It's just a, overall, it's a quite a unique game, I think. Um, but it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, I don't want to get into it too much here, because I think it would probably be a pretty fun one to make you play sometime but uh sure no spoilers on that then yeah before i do i I think it's only fair that i beat it so i've been playing through that i I beat the first one a while ago and then i think there was also a second one that was like a vr title and then this one um 
that I am really close to the end. I was hoping to finish it up tonight, but I ran out of time. Let's get down to uh, back to Man of Medan. Yeah, so Man of Medan, um, do you want to just give a quick rundown of sort of how it started and, and we'll sort of set up what kind of game it is that way? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, we started back in World War II times um, in, I think it was Japan. Um, so you just, you're, you've got two guys, two American soldiers, and uh, you're off ship um, just doing a little bit of exploring and just a bit of an intro to the game and the mechanics. Um, and you are, I think you're, you're out drinking and uh, you go past this, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a fortune teller. And you he asks if you want to your fortune to be told. And you go in and there's all this weird stuff about, um, I think about your death mostly. But you start to get uh, a feel for the, um, the, um, the choices that you can make during dialogue. So there's, there's always at least, I think, two choices. Um, maybe only two choices head and heart i believe are the options and you can choose between head i think it was always two choices but i think it changed based on what you were doing like each one was different so this was kind of interesting about this game like the you know normally in a game where you have dialogue choices you either just get a bunch of choices and it doesn't tell you anything about them or you get one that's like obvious good and obvious evil. Like, you know, the choice are like, screw you, buddy. Or like, thanks, friend. And in this one, they were based more on feelings. So you would get like, you know, maybe it would be do the rational thing or do the emotional thing. And then the next thing would be like, do something that's like you said, like head or heart or, or like, um, I don't know. I can't think any good examples for that but it was always two did it like competing emotions sort of that would that you were choosing between yeah and you never you also never quite knew um well you never did know which one was what was which one was going to do what in the story like maybe you could have gone with the rational choice and used your head to make that choice but um maybe it 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 needed a more emotional decision from you um and and yeah so this would affect your down the line and this would affect your relationships with each other and and things but anyway at the beginning you're just these two guys it's kind of foreshadowing what's to happen and then you leave this um port city and you go back to the ship and that's when things start to get a little weird um the whole game is very dark uh it's mostly set at night um and once you're back on the ship, I believe, yeah, you get reprimanded by your superior for drinking and you get like locked in a one of the rooms on the ship. And then you wake up and shit's going down and there's gunfire and people screaming. And um, you, I think you're let out by your friend and then you see your crazed c- commander like running around the ship killing people and shouting about, something and then you you kind of realize that he's been hallucinating seeing things and uh and then yeah um basically you go around this ship and things start jumping out at you 
Yeah, it's like there's you start to see monsters or something roaming around and everyone's just freaking out and and killing each other and you don't really know kind of why or what's going on at this point. No, it's just bodies everywhere and you don't you you, you don't really know. You don't know why. Um but there's like these uh it does show a scene where um I think in in one of the cargo holds there's these caskets um that have american flags over them and there's this kind of green haze of some kind that's kind of a kind of a mist or a fog that's kind of rolling out of them and you you're not told what this is um and then everyone on this ship dies and we flash forward to the present day mm-hmm. where we're introduced to um our main characters of the story um you might have to help me with the names but we have Brad, right? Yeah, and Brad I think was kind of I don't know, there wasn't really a main character. It was sort of five main characters, but Brad That's was right. sort of introduced first as the character that kind of pulled all these people together. Was it Brad that pulled them all together? I thought Brad was the smart one. Yes. No, you're yes. right. It was Alex that pulled them all together. So Al- Alex got his brother Brad, his girlfriend Julia, her brother Conrad all together to go on this trip and they hired the fifth character uh Fliss to That's right Fliss basically take them out on on her boat um to go for a dive That's right and Brad had planned um this dive he had done research and found these um I guess they were wrecks uh, like one was I think was a plane wreck and then he had found this uh, this ship that was supposedly out there, and these weren't necessarily um, already charted um, wrecks. So the captain was a little apprehensive of going, but um, but they went out, and uh, you got to know these characters. You're talking to each other. You're you're interacting and making choices in the dialogue, and you're you're realizing that you're kind of in control of all of these characters' lives and the choices that you make matter. So you can cause fights between Alex and his girlfriend, Julia, um, or you can have him propose to her. Like, um, And I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to the actual, the stats of their relationships because there was a menu where you could see yeah, I didn't the look different, at that what did they call them, bonds or something like that? I'm not sure. I, um, I never looked at that throughout the whole didn't playthrough. Didn't care. Yeah. No, no, it didn't care. I think that's more for a completionist kind of thing if you're trying to find all the different, you know, outcomes from all the different things you can do. Right. Um, but for a first playthrough, you really don't need to pay much attention to that. No, no, and I didn't. Um, but, I mean, eventually it, it starts to, this is all like sunny and you, you go for your first dive. Um, we find uh, the the plane and I sent down um alex and julia because i think you could choose who went down um oh, i didn't realize that yeah we when when i played it it was also alex and julia i'm pretty sure um i could have pushed for brad if if i wanted brad to go i'm pretty sure he could have said um that he was ready for it or something okay um, or even conrad but in anyway in the end it ended up being alex and julia that went down and uh they explored this plane it was not at all safe but they were you know they had their gear on and uh um yeah i mean you're not 
you you control where they go. Um, you can control the kind of the, the directions that they go, but as far as any interaction, it's just like a a single button. If if something is lit up like a little bit of a kind of a sparkle or a glow, you can interact with it. But you, you're not really necessarily controlling their their arms or anything like that. Um, even combat is just pressing the right buttons yeah, at the right time. Yeah, there's a lot of quick time events in this game to That's basically right. do anything other than just moving around. It was pretty much all quick time events. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's not much point in getting into that uh, that dive very much. It was kind of a... They, they explored it. Um, I think one of them almost got stuck down there julia got uh, almost i think she she went a bit too far and freaked alex out and and uh, there were a few jumps down there like there was a, a shark that went by and i was just kind of on edge from <laughs> the beginning scene um back in uh, in world war ii because that was really jumpy and i just yeah. i didn't know what to expect i don't do horror anything so uh, this was all uh just completely uncharted territory for me yeah it kind of um, bounced you back and forth too between like the scary bits and then like it, it jumps to a scene where the sun is up and you kind of feel a little bit relieved and then you're immediately underwater in these like tight corridors and stuff where things could very easily jump scare you and then it's like you're back up uh, above uh, on the ship again and like it was really playing with your emotions kind of in that way oh yeah you'd forget that it was actually a horror game for a while when you're just you know having lighthearted conversations and drinking beers on the top of the boat waiting for things to go wrong um and while alex and julia are down in in the water uh, a, a boat a small boat approaches of uh fishermen we we, we assume i kind of first saw that they would be uh they would be pirates um when i saw them coming up but i think there were three to four of them and they came up alongside the boat just to kind of chat. And uh, it was Fliss and Conrad that were talking to them. And Conrad is a very wealthy, um, spoiled, basically, uh, brat of a, of a guy. Um, and he ends up just kind of like throwing money at, at them in the water physically like actually throwing it into the water to make them go away. Like how much do you need? Blah, blah, blah. Um, anyway, they end up leaving and then they come back that night. Yeah. So we're all sleeping. So, you know, the, the dive goes well and, and they come back up and, um, you know, they all sort of hang out and have some beers and whatever and go to bed that night. And then you wake up, I think partway through that night, to something going on and it's you know suddenly it's dark and it's stormy and you're not really sure what's happening and um these pirates or fishermen or whatever i guess we'll call them pirates now because they basically come to rob you on the seas um they they come back and they sort of take over the ship while you're sleeping and tie everybody up and they have you all kind of down below um while they're just ransacking the ship i guess trying to steal all your stuff and uh you at this point you're trying to formulate a plan to get out of there and everyone realizes that you know four of them are there and i think it was brad was not for some reason 
Mm, and uh, that part confused me. Yeah, I don't think it ever really explained that too much. Other than I don't know, maybe he got up to pee or something and was in the other room or who knows. Um, there there was a part earlier where he was sort of seasick, so maybe that was, maybe he was you know throwing up or hanging out in the bathroom or something. But uh, for whatever reason, he wasn't there. Um, and I think. They somehow manage to free Conrad, don't they? At this point, they get his. Well, I mean, they're left. They're left alone um, down below, like you said, and they manage to cut their own. I think there were zip ties or rope or whatever, and they manage to cut it off of all of them, most of them, I, I think. Um, and then, yeah, Conrad has a plan that he's going to sneak out. Uh, I mean, you can you can decide whether Conrad sneaks out or whether he stays put but I went for him sneaking to their boat to try and get out and get help. Um, and so uh, when the time was right, he he did. Uh, snuck around the outside, through the window, around the outside of the boat, and um, and then kind of waited. And uh, this is when, the, when those quick time um, events really matter because... Um, yeah, just one of the four Xbox buttons will show up on the screen, and you've got a you've got a very small window to press it, and sometimes it's just one press, and sometimes it is um, kind of a, a button mashing situation. And if you don't <laughs> if you don't see the difference, and it's a slight difference, it could cost uh, one of the characters' lives. I feel like you're you're this, building up to something here that you want to tell in this us. Case, <laughs> In this case, it did, because uh, I told Conrad he had a choice to grab a knife and, and I assume, stab one of the people on the ship or go for the ship. I choose I chose to go for the boat. He, he ran across um, the deck and jumped into the pirate's uh, little... It was like a little speedboat, like barely a speedboat. It was a, you know, paddle boat with a motor on it. And he... He un- un- unhooked it from from the ship, and he sped away. And then I thought I was home free. Anyway, leader of this pirate group grabs his gun. He fires it, um, and the X shows up on my screen. I don't know what I did. I <laughs> pressed it once. I pressed it too many times. I don't know what. I missed it, and he died. Right there. Right yeah. There. So I, I think they showed him get shot at this point, and then the boat kept going so it wasn't it did, it, but he he kind of slumped though yeah. like you could see it in his eyes that he wasn't going to make <laughs> it it didn't look great it didn't it didn't no. come out and tell you that he was dead at this point but it it didn't look great for him um this this was one of the first points where what you did and and what I did was very different so i think i i must have made the other choice to have conrad grab the knife or go after the the uh, pirates because I don't think he went for the boat at all in in my playthrough, and he, so he didn't end up dying. I didn't have to do a quick time event for him getting shot or whatever, but I probably did have to do another one for him to fight these guys. I I don't remember exactly what happened. Um, sure, but the rest, kind of the rest of the story, played out the same for me, except Conrad was still with the main group. Um, so at, at this point, the the storm starts kicking up really bad and you're just on this kind of small yacht and these guys just have a little skiff and, and from seemingly out of nowhere, a ghost ship sort of rolls up and it is you're right up alongside of it. 
and they decide that they're going to take the distributor cap from your boat and get so that your boat won't go anymore and get everybody and pile them up onto this weird ghost ship that just showed up um, basically because they were getting tossed around too much by the storm. Right. I mean, it's also um, worth noting that this is, for scale, this is a massive um, military vessel, like compared to the small fishing boat that we were on. This is like a, like would hold, you know, several hundred to a thousand uh, um, military men. Um, But yeah, um, so we all get off of it. But there is another thing that we forgot to mention is that Brad was was looking i think for this ship because he had heard about um something called the manchurian gold Mm -hmm. um which they were interested in finding and somebody mentioned it um and the pirates heard them and they obviously they're pirates they were very interested in finding this manchurian gold so i think that's another reason partly the storm but another reason that they wanted everyone on this ship was so that they could find it Mm -hmm. so they they loaded us all up and they locked us in a room. And at this point, um, Brad was still hiding somewhere. Missing. I think, yeah. I don't understand how because it, the boat we were on was not that small. <laughs> it you was think two the pirates rooms, would, yeah. or it's not that big. I mean, yeah. So um, the pirates would have looked everywhere unless he was like hiding under a bed, and they were too yeah, stupid to check. I think he might have been. Well, Brad's still missing. So everyone else except for Connie. Poor Conrad um, <laughs> goes up onto the, the the ghost ship or the the World War Two uh, ship, and uh, we get locked in a in a room, um, and we're trying to figure out what to do next while the pirates are, you know, looking around for this supposed gold. Um, and yeah, so now this um, is the same ship. Obviously, I mean it was kind of foreshadowing, but it, it becomes apparent that this is the same ship from the prologue that that's right that where everyone had killed themselves. So it's been floating out here for sixty years or whatever. And mm-hmm. uh you know, it's just an old rusty ship. Empty, creepy, lots of just old rusty corridors and a lot of places for jump scares and uh you know bad camera angles and stuff so this this is where you kind of get into what i think is the real meat yeah the real meat of the game and it reminded me like the the camera angles and stuff sort of reminded me of like the old school resident evil games like the original one um where you get that weird like the camera is fixed in place down a hallway and it's not going to move until you round that corner so you can't do Sort of the modern, like, I'm going to first person peek around this corner timidly. Um, (laughs) So they they really use those camera angles and stuff to uh, add to the kind of horror of this whole situation. Oh, yeah. I mean, you would turn a corner in this game and uh, and yeah, you you would, like you said, uh, be fixed on a on an angle um, until you. So it was a little bit disorienting at times because I wasn't quite sure if I was coming or going down this hallway mm-hmm. did I just come from this direction a couple times but yeah it was just adjusting so that it could set me up for you know what whatever was hiding in the locker <laughs> yeah there, there was a lot of spots too where it was really obvious that they wanted you to open something like you'd, you'd walk mm-hmm. into a room and there's a locker or you'd, you know there's a box you can open or you got to move this 
thing to the side and and of course every single time something is something jump scares you um, I think the the most they really changed up the formula was there was one point where you did something and got double jump scared like it, <laughs> there was never not a jump scare in this game yeah but it got me every time yeah. because I'm not accustomed to <laughs> being scared um I mean, I love to scare other people, but I, I don't like to be scared myself. Yeah, and the more you're looking out for it, the worse it gets, too. Like, it was, it, it's the anticipation when you know you're going to get a jump scare. It almost makes it that much worse. Like, you you know, there was points in this where I was wandering around this ship, and I knew I needed to go, you know, to the end of this hallway, and there were rooms along the way that I could go in and explore, and I was just like, nope, and I would just beeline it directly to my destination and i i was not <laughs> looking around i wasn't opening any doors or lockers or anything i didn't need to open I was just getting getting through avoiding as many jump scares as i could oh because you don't you don't love horror either no I'm, genre, I'm not uh i'm not big on it um there's some horror games that i really like kind of despite their horror but i i don't really love horror or especially, you know, jump scares and, and all that kind of stuff. I'd, I'd rather kind of those same games without it. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll deal with it yeah. if the game's good enough, I guess. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I did. There was a lot of intrigue in this game. It was horror, but it was also kind of a mystery. I mean, it was a mystery. You're trying to figure out what happened on this ship at the same time. I mean, it's not all jump scares you're finding all kinds of old letters and um you know log books and you're i made sure to read everything that i found mm-hmm. um and yeah i mean there's old like schedules and th- things saying that um certain people didn't want to work in certain wings of the of the ship um because you know weird stuff happened there or whatever so you're like oh great i'm gonna have to go there (laughs) aren't i and 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 yeah so um you're 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 looking for things because you're trying to figure out how to get off this ship you're trying to find like a radio to get help um but as you're digging around and looking for things you start to hallucinate which we figure out is what's happening i mean i wasn't sure whether i was actually seeing ghosts or whether i was um, the characters were hallucinating um, and seeing these ghosts. But yeah, like sometimes it's a old body that was probably there. But sometimes like you see a shadow running past you um, or in your peripherals, which was the worst. The worst thing um, in, in any horror is um, every once in a while a child would laugh and you would hear their, foot, that. their footsteps oh. running across the boat. Yeah, that, nope. that happened every once in a while. And that, yeah. I think no no one likes that. I don't know why they do that. It's just mean. No, I mean I I love my kids, but um <laughs> they're creepy. Children are terrifying. <laughs> children are terrifying. Yeah. Uh nothing worse than a child's laugh yeah. in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got jump scared by uh one of them earlier today when you were on stream. That is true. I didn't know if you saw that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, when I've got the headphones on, I didn't uh, didn't hear him coming. But yep, he got me real good. <laughs> I'm 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 a little bit perma jumpy <laughs> on this game. So uh, so yeah. So you know, once you get on this ship, I guess we said you you get locked in a room, and obviously they escape, and Brad shows up, and it's basically the the next you know hour or two of people splitting up or getting split up, and you know they might catch up to these 
one or more of the pirates and they'll kind of take them at gunpoint and then they break free and it's sort of a whole bunch of people moving around in different groups um but it becomes clear that the pirates are starting to freak out like you said they're they're hallucinating it you don't really know yet kind of what's going on but these pirates are freaking out and people are seeing things and they're attacking each other and there's a whole whole lot goes on here that i think is a, a lot of it's dependent on choices and quick time events again um and where if you mess them up other people can die along the way um you i don't think lost anyone here until at uh, the very end but um there was a lot of opportunities for people to sort of attack each other or get shot by the pirates and things like that well there was one moment where um one of the pirates was in a room he had a gun he was in a room with um you know, I forget which of the characters, but two of the characters for sure. I think it might have been Alex and Julia. Could have been Brad and Julia. Anyway, um, he uh, he's freaking out. He's talking about how it's inside of us and how it's inside of him. And it's he's talking about this mist. Um, and it's he's telling us to stop changing. Um, and you're doing it again. You're doing it. No, stop changing. If you change, I'll kill you. And we don't really know what he's talking about, but... Um, it's pretty clear that he is hallucinating. Um, something's got to him, some kind of mist that he thinks. Um, but he has a gun. He's gonna, he's going to, you know, shoot somebody. Um, and I read this afterwards. But depending on your choices, you could either uh, have him kill one of the characters and then himself, or um, just himself. Or you could even manage to calm him down so that no one dies but I didn't manage that um I did manage not to kill one of our characters he didn't he did end up shooting himself though okay yeah I, th- I wasn't that upset about yeah it. <laughs> I don't remember what I did in that if if it, it seems to me that by the end of it none of those guys were alive in my playthrough um yeah but um I I did manage to keep all the other characters alive um but basically at this point your your goal is to get to a radio and try and get help or get the distributor cap back from the pirates and get back to your boat and get out of there um so that's why everyone's kind of wandering around and and in these separate groups and there's parts where you know somebody's got to jump down off this ledge to go look for something but then the pirates show up and then they get split up so there was a lot of like people getting split up but at some point you do find your way to a radio and somehow it still works for whatever reason and you can call in to the military i believe for help Um, did you manage to reach them and get help i managed to get to the radio i um I turned on the radio, we got through to them, but then the power cut, so we had to go down and uh, and find the generator, which we did, um, and then I guess there was a choice with the generator, you could choose to turn it on or not turn it on, and apparently that had a big um, impact on the ending, mm-hmm. uh, um, but I chose to turn it on. So I don't know what would have happened otherwise. Um, 
so I turned it on. We got, managed to get back up and did radio for help. Um, but I mean, by the time they came, we were, we were long gone. I mean, most of us, I lost another one. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, at some point, I don't remember if this happened before or after, but you, you get your distributor cap back and you're kind of all trying to leave, I think. And, and one of the remaining pirates attacks you and it was Brad. I, I think again, it, this depends on your choices and stuff. Who gets in these situations but in yours it yes. was brad and you who were... showed up who showed up on the on the ship like halfway through right and ended up finding us and also tried to attack fliss once or twice because he was also hallucinating so um all was not well within our group as well <laughs> but he uh he ended up sort of telling them like go ahead i'll hold this guy off or something and and then he gets in a little bit of a scrape with the pirate under some massive door and you, you know you can tell where this is going but basically you wrestle with this pirate for a little bit get a quick time event um again it it was x popped up on screen you hit x but what it wanted you to do was repeatedly hit x uh yes. and off came brad's Foiled head <laughs> so your five characters were down to three at this point. Um, they, I think they, the characters themselves realized at this point too as well, but it, it was obvious to the player that what was happening was there was some sort of bioweapon on this ship that was leaking and it was basically just messing with their heads and making people hallucinate. So there wasn't actually anything here other than the remnants of this bioweapon that was making everyone kill each other. I just remembered that this whole time you occasionally have, uh, you occasionally have these cut scenes with someone called the, I the think curator. the curator. Yeah, that's right. And now um, he would, he was kind of like telling this story. He started, he started it out, kind of introduced it and was telling you the player that depending on your actions or my actions, my decisions, it would determine how these characters lived or died or whatever, and uh, it was very much breaking the third wall. Um, but uh, then he'd check in occasionally and be like, "Well, oops, looks like you lost another one." <laughs> yeah, he basically and made fun of you for getting people killed. He did, and it was not helpful or encouraging. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was also he was kind of creepy in, in his own way. It's just kind of this guy in his office with books everywhere and low light. But anyway, besides the point. Um, so yeah, we lost Brad. Um, the others shortly after that managed to get away with the distributor cap back onto Fliss's boat. Um, and I didn't expect it to end there. I didn't expect that to be the ending. Um, but that kind of was the ending. Yeah. And they, they sped away and then it had a moment where it showed um, first... Conrad's body floating in this boat with a bird pecking out his eye, um, dead, obviously. And then it flashed back to Brad's body lying there with the pirate um, cut off at the waist, dead. Um, and then it got to the the military that had shown up to help them, to save them. Um, and obviously they weren't there. And... Uh, and they showed up and they were looking around and they were just kind of in disbelief that this ship was still here. 
and um, turns out there was one more pirate who they left there who was still alive in my in my story anyway, and he was still hallucinating, still crazy, and he ends up shooting both of these military guys that have boarded, and that's how it ended for me. Huh. Yeah, it was. Uh, so th- there was a lot of endings to this game, but. Most of them, there was only a few kind of major ones, and then most of it depended on who was left alive. Um, so when I did it, it was, I think, nothing but pure luck and not messing up quick time events, but um, I managed to get all five characters away safely. Um, I don't remember what happened with the, the military and stuff. I think that we probably did the same thing where we called them in, but we were gone afterwards. Um, and I don't remember if there were any of the, uh, the pirates left alive, but I got, I guess what you would call the good ending or as good of an ending as you could get, I think in this game. Um, but there was, there was a lot of different options. So you, you could end up, I think having the distributor cap destroyed at which point everyone gets trapped there. Um, I think there was one ending where, Fliss could kind of get on the boat and paddle away without the distributor cap, but everybody else was dead or trapped on the boat. Um, the military can show up when you're all there and they'll just kill all the main characters to sort of keep the, I, I don't know, to, to keep the story from getting out or whatever. Um, wow. There, there was all kinds of kind of different endings, the ways that could go. But there was there was one ending that really... I thought was really funny because it was so rude because at the very start when you're going for a dive you're underwater with Julia and uh, Alex and you hear something up above like an explosion goes off or something and she wants to get back there and you have the option of saying no you have to wait because you're you're gonna get decompression sickness or whatever like you have to go up slowly and so you can either stop her or let her go. And then once you get up top afterwards, she goes to have a beer. And I think you can kind of tell her, no, you shouldn't have that beer because of, you know, the decompression sickness or whatever. And so I think if you make her go up fast and then let her drink that beer, you make it through the whole game, keep everyone alive. And then she just dies from decompression sickness at the very end, (laughs) (laughs) which is so rude because it's such a, like it's so early in the game that you make those decisions. And then you, you know, you're, you get out and you're feeling good. Like I kept them alive through all this stuff and that's how she ends up being dead. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny that that wasn't in there or that that was in there. Um, and I kind of wish there was more of those kind of funny endings. Uh, because a lot of those choices didn't really feel to me like they mattered. Um, but that could also be a testament to the branching story where it was just all so seamless that you didn't realize how different it could have been. Um, That's right. I'm not really sure. You know, I think it was probably a little bit of both. I mean, it's hard because I only played it through once and I did not want to play it through again. Um, but I feel like this is the type of game just because I was so scared. I mean, <laughs> this is the type of game that I feel like you should play through quite a few times because of all of the different options. Um, so what kind of happened in the end when you had all five of them still alive? It was pretty much the same. I mean, everybody went like, I think in yours, they were, it was more somber. Like, you know, two of them had just lost their brother and that they were 
kind of right. upset and stuff. And in mine, it was more like, hey, we all got out alive, but also that thing we just went through was horrible. So ultimately, it wasn't that different. Yeah. We're still in therapy. Yeah, for the rest yeah of our exactly. Lives. I, I think you're right. Like, it, it, I think this game was meant to be replayed. And when I beat it, I didn't want, I didn't have any desire to replay it. But after, you know, it's been a while now since I played it. And then after rewatch or after watching you play it, I kind of have a bit of a desire to go back and give it another go and maybe specifically try to do something stupid, like see how many characters I can get killed or see if I can, <laughs> you know, make them double cross each other or whatever, just try and be different. Cause we, you know, had very different ideas of the characters I think like you sort of stuck with Conrad's being a selfish jerk and he just tried to get away but in mine I was like no I'm gonna give this guy redemption like it the game set him up to be a jerk but I'm gonna make him be a good guy by the end of it and right, interesting and so I you know I made him do all the good guy things and whenever I got the choice the chance to do that now you said that you played this with someone else. Is this could this be a multiplayer game? Yeah. So um, when I played this through, I played it with my wife actually, and it is really cool in the way that that works. So we've played a few games like this before, and typically what we do is we just hand the controller back and forth at random spots that seem like you know good times to pass the controller back and forth. Um, but the way it works in this game is you, you can play with up to four people, I think, or maybe even five and, uh, you choose which characters you control. So we didn't really mention this, but as the story goes on, you're always switching whose point of view you're, you're looking at it from. So you're in control of one of these five characters at any time, but every kind of chapter or whatever you switch characters. So for us, it was, you know, I was in control of two or three of them and she was in control of the other two or three. And that I thought was really cool because you got to kind of decide that character's sort of style or, you know, what what they were doing and make all the decisions for a specific character. Whereas, you know, if you're passing the controller back and forth in another game, you're kind of sharing the same character. And so if I'm like, well, this is a good guy, and then she decides, no, he's just going to kill this person, like it, you don't have quite the same level of control in co-op of each character as you did with this game. Um, so I really like that, that you that it broke it up that way. And, and all it would do is it would say, you're now controlling Fliss, pass the controller to player two or whatever. Um, right. But it was just a cool nod to like, yeah, people play these games you know, with other people and couch co-op or whatever. And you could do it online co-op as well in this. Um, I'd like to try I would try it again with someone else. I wouldn't want to try it (laughs) by myself, but I would try it again with someone else. I did feel like it was a lot of responsibility to be in control of all these characters. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, maybe I felt a little overwhelmed by all that. Um, but if, yeah, if the load was shared and not all of the deaths were my fault. (laughs) Yeah, it helps. Um, yeah. I mean, there might be times like, you know, we got lucky and we both succeeded in every important quick time event. Uh, we might, you know, we might have failed one or two, but nobody died. So it didn't really matter. But uh, you, you could possibly, you know, have a little bit of a spat if it was like, come on, man, I really liked Fliss. Like, how are you 
going to mess up that quick time event. But right. uh, for the most part, you know, it was it was broken up really nicely and let you sort of play with another person and each kind of have control of your own little mini story in there. Right, sure. Yeah, well, maybe. Maybe uh, in like a year or so. <laughs> it also helps when someone else is doing all the scary parts. Um, you you mm-hmm. get those little breaks where like there were times where it's just like, oh, it's time to control Julia. And I was just like, oh, phew. <laughs> just give the controller over. Like, I'm going to sit here for a while and relax. And not even look at the screen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there was times when I was in control and she was like, can you look in that room and see what's in there? And I was just like, nope, got to get to the objective. <laughs> just skip past all the optional stuff. Don't want to know what's going on in there. No, no. I got to that point too, where I just wanted to get to the end. Yeah. Didn't want to, didn't want to figure out about this ship anymore. Yeah. I'm usually one for exploring, but when it's like, when I know it's going to be a jump scare, I'm like, eh, it's not worth it. I don't, I don't want to yep. deal with this. I don't need that yeah. anxiety. But uh, the the other thing for replayability as well is um, there's there's two game modes in this too. There's the theatrical cut, which is the mode that you and I played, which plays through like a movie basically where it shows you at every chapter or whatever, it shows you what time it is and it shows you kind of what's happening at that time from somebody's point of view. But there was a lot of parts where, like we said, people got split up and you don't know what the other characters are doing. And then they just kind of show back up later or whatever. Um, But there's this other game mode called the Curator's Cut, which lets you see kind of what's going on with those other characters. Like you sort of replay the same time period from several different lenses. Um, so that's something that I never checked out, uh, but would be maybe what I would do if I was going to go back and replay this game to see, you know, while I was controlling Brad, what was Alex doing or, you know, things like that. Oh yeah. That sounds neat. Like you would, uh, well, you'd, you'd see a whole other side of the story that you missed. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that's how you kind of do the hundred percent completionist, version of this as well because you know we haven't mentioned but there there were a few um collectibles there was sort of the stuff like you said where it was just notes and stuff but there was also um these things called premonitions ah yes which were like i think they were always photographs picture frames yeah yeah. and it would show you kind of something that hadn't happened yet and I think the idea was like, I think the curator at one point said like, you can use this to make decisions, but I don't know how you would. Cause it would just show, it would be like a picture of, you know, Brad drowning or something. And I mean, I would never remember them either. Yeah. Everything was so fast paced in those decisions. There was no way that I was going to recall or have time to recall a premonition. I saw an hour ago. Yeah, exactly. I, I, it, it was cool. I liked that feature, but I didn't, feel like there was anything I could do from it or or like I didn't feel like it could help me make decisions it it was just a cool thing to be like oh I found a premonition like oh it's possible that Brad's about to drown I better keep him out of water I guess like I I don't know what you would really do Um, sure but yeah um it's worth playing through a couple times and and a lot of people did say 
when I was looking at reviews and stuff that, that, you know, you need to play it through a few times to see sort of all, all this game has to offer. Um, speaking of reviews, I did take a peek at some of the reviews for this game and that, that was a big one was a lot of people said that the length of this game was too short for the price that they were asking, which again is a, you know, a good thing for us where we play it on Game Pass. We didn't pay for it. And I think right. we talked about this last week, but I like this game a lot more than I would have if I paid $40 for it, I think. And I, I just wouldn't I, pay $40 for a game like this because it's not really the kind of game that I would go out of my way to get. Um, nope. But I liked it. And, uh, you know, for uh, a game that I just had as part of Game Pass, I... I definitely think it was a good game i agree with that i mean i agree in a way um there's lots of different types of games that i'm discovering through game pass and uh and yeah no i wouldn't want to pay money for them but um but having them i mean it's it's broadening my you know my um genre knowledge yeah yeah and i should say i i don't even know that i would agree that this game was not worth the price they were asking it's just that I, it's not a game that I would have bought because I wouldn't. I would have just looked at it and been like, "That looks cool," and I just I would have never paid for it because it's not the kind of thing that I would normally buy. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like you say, it's kind of fun to play sort of these things you wouldn't normally play. Um, but that was that was one of the big complaints. And then the other thing a lot of people said was that it wasn't as good as Until Dawn, which was the these developers previous game which i didn't play so again you know i didn't have anything to compare to uh, but a lot right. i saw a lot of people comparing this game to until dawn and basically saying that they didn't like it as much um, hmm. so i think you know take the reviews with a grain of salt with this one um, because a lot of people you know if you didn't play until dawn you probably wouldn't be comparing it to that and that was a lot of the negative reviews that I saw. So, um, you know, sometimes ignorance is bliss, I guess. And not knowing about that other game meant we went into this, not expecting anything. And sometimes lower expectations, maybe make for a better experience. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm a person that, um, has a hard time watching a movie or a show or going to a restaurant without reading some reviews first. Mm. Um, so this this whole kind of um, style that we're doing here where you're telling me a game and I'm not reading anything about it or, or watching any videos about it is not is against my nature, um, which I think is good because yeah. if I did that, I would probably just decide I didn't want to yeah. <laughs> play that game. I'd just say just say nope, no, let's find another I one. Think, That's what, no thanks. Yeah, I think if I if you would have watched a trailer for this one, I think you would have talked me out of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty convincing, so yeah. <laughs> um I probably probably would have done that. Um but yeah, no this is good for me because it is like I said broadening my horizons and and uh and no I would not have chosen this for myself, but I mean it was fun. Yeah. At the end of the day it, it was fun. Yeah. Um, before we move on from the, the reviews, I do want to read you my favorite review, which was, Oh, please. Good game. Sexy game. (laughs) I'm not sure if 
that was either a 12-year-old who was just really excited that there were girls in bikinis or mm-hmm. if maybe that was um, somebody sort of commenting on the fact that this game actually had very good graphics. Um, and that's right. something that we haven't really talked about, but the this was a really nice-looking game. Um, it had uh, they must have done some modeling or motion capture or something with some actors because the i know for sure the guy that plays conrad is an actor in you know tv and movies and stuff and well i knew him yeah he was the only one that i recognized yeah Yeah. it's a something ashmore um you know you could tell it was him the graphics were really good the the acting and stuff like I i thought it was really good so it made this a lot more of a you know, more like watching a kind of a long movie or something. Um, it reminded me a little bit of the FMV games, which I don't know if you've, if you're familiar with those where it was kind of a thing probably in the nineties where it was actually actors and it would just play like a short scene and then you would like press a button and then it would branch off into another short scene with actors and stuff. Right. Um, they're making a little bit of a comeback, I think now. And they're actually like, you know, decent looking now. They were pretty bad, pretty clunky back then. And, you know, the acting was bad and stuff. But it, it, we're getting to the point now where the graphics are so good that you almost don't need actual, you know, video and, and actors and stuff. Like they've done a really good job with kind of that aspect of it. Right. Sure. Well, I mean, um, the, the guy's name was Sean Ashmore, by the okay. way. Um, and he was uh, Iceman in the X Men movies. Nice. Remember, remember those? I, don't know yeah. if, I just yeah. thought I, I don't know if I saw those. I knew I recognized them, but I wasn't sure what it was from. Anyway, Sean Ashmore, Canadian uh, actor. That that is all. And now we're truly off topic. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about X Men for the next forty five minutes. Um, sure. Yeah. But yeah, so so you know the the graphics and the acting and stuff I thought was really good. The only thing that bugged me a bit about it was they would do these sort of cinematic cuts and they would occasionally get interrupted by load times. Um, so oh, yeah, I noticed that that kind of took you out of it a bit, you know, when something's happening and they do this dramatic cut to another character or something, but then there's like a one second delay. You kind of are like, Oh right. I'm playing a game, not watching a movie. Um, mm-hmm. but maybe with these new consoles with their SSDs and stuff that that might not be an issue. Um, that was really the only thing that I noticed about this game that really kind of brought it down from being sort of a, a good, you know, equal to being a watching a movie or something like that. Yeah, no, it did feel like that. I mean, other than, yeah, like you say, the occasional delay, um, it was it was like a scary movie. Yeah. So anyway, um, I think we've talked about this for quite a while. Is there anything else you have to say before we move on to our rating system? Mm, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so for the length of this game, I think it took you about four hours. Um, Is that all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you feel like it was longer than that? Do you feel like it was too long, not long enough? I mean, I don't necessarily feel like it was too long, but it did feel like I was never going to complete it. But it was only two streams, so, um, so yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, we beat it in two sittings as well, but kind of the same thing, like two hours and two hours or, you know, yeah, something similar. 
I mean, I was actually surprised when it ended. I thought there was going to be more. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I guess, yeah, um, could have been, I guess it could have been longer and I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. And, and like I said, that, that was one of the biggest complaints that I saw in reviews of this game was that they, they wanted it to be longer. Um, but right. the counter argument is, I guess that it's replayable. Um, so I guess we can't speak to that cause we didn't replay it, but I, I, I don't know. I think the length for me is kind of good um, because it sort of felt like a movie. But again, because I didn't pay for it, I'm a lot happier to have a shorter game than if I had paid for it. Yeah, me too. Uh, what about the addictiveness? I think maybe for this it was whatever the opposite of that is for you. <laughs> I think you were dreading coming um, back to it on day two. Yeah, no, this was not addictive. This was not addictive for me. It was just like I came back I, I knowing that I needed to get it done. Um, and then I was I was done. <laughs> I was done with it yeah. immediately when it finished. Yeah. So, um, I mean, if we're rating addictiveness, um, then it's a like a, a zero. <laughs> negative 10. Negative, negative 10. Yeah. yeah. Um, and on the frustration scale, I wouldn't say it was frustrating. Um, it wasn't hard. Yeah. I think the only thing you could maybe say that was frustrating about this, which I think is great for playing through once, but if you were a completionist trying to get all the endings, this would be annoying. Um, yeah. It auto-saved any time you made a decision or somebody died or something. So you couldn't, you couldn't save your game and then kind of see what happened and then like, oh, you know, Conrad died. I'm going to reload from 10 minutes ago and make sure he doesn't die like too bad he's dead you either start he's over dead. or you know deal with it yeah. and i think that's the only real frustration that there would be with this game because or, or you know if you really hate quick time events just in general but it was more of a i mean there was yeah there was a moment where i where one of them died i think it might have been conrad the first one and i was like oh shit like can I pause and reload? Like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean to do that. But then I realized, okay, no, this, I just, it, it kind of dawned on me, like, he's dead now. And this is this game. Yeah. So yeah. let's move forward without Conrad. And I kind of like that. And I think it's good for streaming it, for one thing, because everybody's playthroughs are going to be different. And just, you yes. know, for us comparing, like, well, what happened when you played versus what happened when I played? I think if you would have been able to do that we would have both just saved all the characters had the exact same playthrough and had nothing to talk about so i I think it's pretty cool that it that it forces that but i could see that being annoying for somebody trying to get all the achievements or see all the endings or whatever they're trying to do sure definitely yeah so uh all all that together um what do you think on a scale of one to ten what would you rate this game uh that's a toughie um, I mean, I can, I can see that it's a good game. Um, the style of it was kind of neat. It was cool. Um, just because I, I'm going to remove myself well, from the How about for this? A second. Give me, give me one rating for what you felt about this game as it is. And one rating that you would give it if it wasn't scary. Okay. I like that. Um, the rating how I felt as it is would be um, just like my, my overall kind of enjoyment of it would be like a five. 
Okay. Right there in the middle. No, I'm not allowed to give fives. I give too many fives. <laughs> um, a four. All right. <laughs> Just because I didn't like being scared so much. But if it wasn't scary, the way that the game played, the way the story unfolded, all of the mystery and intrigue, that's more like an eight. Yeah. So, okay. Well, that's good to know. We'll we'll find you some similar games that have less on the horror side um, sometime in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I will come back to this genre for sure. Yeah, um, I was but. I was going to give you Resident Evil Seven, which I, I uh. I'm very glad I didn't because you would not have made it through the first uh, stream. But I also I haven't played it yet because I'm kind of terrified to play it. Uh, so mm-hmm. it it felt unfair. I think everything else I've given you, I've I've played. So uh, I think it's good that we started with this because. It, this game was kind of scary. I mean, I'm not going to say it wasn't like a horror game or whatever, but it's certainly not the worst game I've seen or the worst game I've played. Um, so I think it was a good, it's a good intro into the horror genre for somebody who, you know, doesn't normally get into that kind of stuff. Yeah. The farthest into that genre that I've ever played was um, left for dead games. Yeah. Um, I, and I've never played any of the resident evil games, so I don't really know what to expect. Um, yeah. I've played but, uh, a few, yeah, um, and they're kind of all over the place. But seven just looked horrible. <laughs> like it was, it was like it looks really fun, and everybody says it's great. But it it kind of has a little bit of that sort of saw movie kind of stuff to it. Like there's sort of a lot of gross stuff, and you know, mm. there's a part where he gets his hand cut off and all this kind of stuff, and you're seeing this all happen in first person, and it's just it's quite horrifying course but uh and there's an there's another one out now right the village yeah that just came out i guess a couple days ago that that's um yeah re- that would be like eight in the main series of resident evil games it's a sequel sure. to seven i guess with the same character but i haven't seen too much of that yet oh okay but anyway before we talk too much about resident evil that. yeah um do you want to talk about what uh what our next episode is going to be about Sure. Um, I really appreciate this game that you've given me. I have started it already. I'm probably going to finish it uh, the next day or two. Um, but I've been playing a cute little puzzle game called Carto. Uh, I don't know who developed this, but we'll talk about that next next time. Um, but uh, yeah, this is um, a complete, sh- complete 180 shift from um, Man of Medan. It's... Um, yeah, I mean, um, without getting into it too much, um, it's just all puzzles. You're just interacting with the map and trying to solve puzzles um, with this cute little Carto character. And uh, she's just interacting with different people along the map. Uh, it's kind of top-down view. And you're just kind of traveling around this kind of cool, magical world looking for your grandmother. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, super cute. very low stakes. Nobody's trying to mm-hmm. scare you, and you can't no you can't mess anything up. Nobody, <laughs> you can't get anyone killed. I uh, no, nope. yeah, I try to balance it out so that you know if I make you do something that I know you you don't like as much, I try and give you a nice relaxing uh, one for the next one. I appreciate that. That's that's very kind of you. That's it for this week's episode. You can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash rogdev, that's R-O-G-D-E-V, to watch me stream the games we talk about or catch up on old streams by subscribing to No Time to Game on YouTube. 
You can also join our Discord server with a link in the podcast description for important announcements and general chatter. Or if you're more a fan of good old-fashioned email, you can send me questions, comments, or game suggestions to notimepod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to No Time to Game. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you can be notified of the upcoming episodes. Press X to skip the credits. Perfect.